Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> You can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and as always I'm sitting here with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. Hi Dave. Hey, Hi Boobie. Matt. Boobies, hello. Hi Jess. <laughs> Hi Dave. There we go. I Hi. actually can sing in all eight octaves. Wow. All of them. There's oh. no more than that. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, actually... <laughs> 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 so we're just going to quickly let everyone know about um, some exciting stuff going on, including at the stupid old channel where we've got our web series up. Two episodes are up so far about mm. the badass Nancy Wake, yep. who was from the World War Two and had one of the most amazing lives. Um, and also the first episode was about the history of the Hollywood sign. Uh, and the other thing I just want to quickly mention is that uh, Primates, uh, another show on this little podcast network, is finishing up. This week with a live stream, um, in the same way we did the Do Go On live streams, this Saturday, uh, midday Melbourne time, and uh, tickets are on sale at sauspresents.com. There'll be a link in the show notes. Um, yeah, so it'd be cool if, uh, if 
Um, you can get along and watch. If you're Primates fans, you'll obviously enjoy it more, but I reckon it'll be fun for anyone to jump in. Um, there'll be familiar face and that sort of stuff. I'm hoping Dave and Jess can pop in, but I think Dave said he could. Jess ignored my message, but I'll keep... <laughs> I'll uh, kill. Well played, Jess. <laughs> yeah, just ignore him. Well, first he asked us to buy tickets to the show. <laughs> <laughs> and then said, no That's pressure, but if you're around, pop it. So, I d- I'm a bit confused. Do you want us to do, do we have to buy a ticket and then turn up? Yeah, yeah. You'd, no, How about I, Dave turns up and I buy a ticket? I'm not watching, but I'll, I'll buy a ticket. Support you. <laughs> that, was a, that was a little joke that I hope you buy a ticket thing. But Was uh, it a little joke you want us to turn up as well? Because I took it as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I think I laugh reacted in the group chat. I think. <laughs> good one, mate. Good one. I have been. Well, I've been. Um, um, I've been saying special guests without naming names, just in case uh, anyone is taking it as a joke. <laughs> but I think it will be a lot of fun anyway. But not as fun as this episode of Do Go On, which is about to happen. That but is right. So there's a link in the description to the web series, which uh, and we've got seven more episodes coming out over the yeah the next coming few out weeks. every Friday. And, uh, and also we're doing premieres of those if you want to jump on and comment along with us. Um, and if you uh, follow us at Do Go On Pod on the social medias, we'll tell you what time they'll be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's bloody exciting. And thanks to everyone that's already checked it out. And also a link to the final primates where Jess can buy tickets <laughs> in the description. <laughs> but oh. the, um, I should say as well that uh, with the, the web series, it'd be real cool if you can, if just to share it with your friends or anyone who you think might enjoy it. Um, yeah, we just thought maybe it's it's an easier thing to share around than a podcast. People can just click on a link and watch. So um, maybe if you want to, make as many people as you know watch it. That would be really nice. Make at, gu- at gunpoint. Yeah, force yeah. Little joke there. I know some people who listen are big gun people. Uh, so that was only a joke. Yeah, don't there. do Don't that. do it at gunpoint. Please. Please. Knife point. That's another little joke. <laughs> yeah. We know some people who listen own knives. <laughs> Knife people. <laughs> fist point. At hold of it, fist point. We've got a lot of violent listeners. <laughs> anyway, the way this show works, the podcast, the classic form of the show, mm-hmm. is uh, one of the three of us <laughs> goes away and researches a topic, normally one that's been suggested by a listener, and then they come back and bring that report to the group. And that's happening here today with Dave Warnicky telling Jess and I about a little something, but Jess and I don't know what it is, and he's going to get us onto the topic with a question, and this question goes a little something like this, Dave. My question is, which author of The Raven and The Telltale Heart died mysteriously in 1849? Matt Groening. Ooh. They have done an adaptation of The Raven, a... An episode that confused a whole generation of Simpsons fans. It was my least favourite Simpsons episode for a long time. Probably still is. Yeah. No, no, that's not ah. true. I've seen worse. Um, no, it's still the one where he ends up in the real world. Oh, yeah. That, that. upsets me so much every time. Erotic cakes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is it Edgar Allan Poe? It is Edgar Allan Poe. Wow. Okay, it, I want to clarify that I did know Edgar Allan Poe, but I my face before of confusion was that I did not know he died in mysterious ways. <gasps> yes, and that is what we're going to talk about today. His death. Oh, we're talking about his death? Yeah, Ooh. we're going to talk the, the, uh, both. Yeah, talk about his Cause life. Because he did. I reckon he, most of his achievements he uh, were when he was alive. Well, you say that. <gasps> Ghost of Poe? <laughs> we'll get to this topic or Post? Edgar Allan Poe. 
Post. <laughs> is he the one who invented posts? Edgar, Whoa. Edgar Allan Post. <laughs> uh, this has been suggested by, in one form or another, by Kevin Packrad. Oh. Kevin. He must have had the most suggestions that have hap- uh, turned into topics. The hit rate is very high. Good He's on you, Kevin. Yeah. He's from New York. Uh, Alec McElroy from Lawrence in Kansas and Mandy in Miami. So Mandy three. from Miami. Mandy in Miami. We salute thee. Thank you, Mandy in Miami. And the other two, whose Go names hate. I've forgotten now. Eric. Mandy in Miami is Where's my Eric number from? one. Uh, Alec from, <laughs> from Kansas. Kansas. Oh, there's no place like home. Alec, good on you. Thanks for the suggestion. Appreciate and Packrad, New York, New York. City of Never Sluice, the Big Apple. <laughs> I'm walking here. Mm-hmm. Etc. Edgar Allan Poe wrote some of the greatest horror stories ever written. Ah. He also wrote the first ever detective novel, The Murders in Rue Morgue, covered on this week's book cheat with my friend Matt Stewart. Oh, that was great fun. Great fun. Which we'll record tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, have you forgotten at all that you... Okay. <laughs> so by the, time this, by the time this comes out, that will already be out. So check that out on the book cheat feed if you want to... We're doing like a, a bit of a crossover this week. I forgot about that. <laughs> Cause there's all, so there's a monkey involved in this as well somehow. Well, I don't want to spoil too much. Oh, no, I can't wait to listen. This is a triptych all... Three of our four podcasts. We need. Is there a? Is there an album we can do on Listen Now? That yeah, yeah. The Cold Chisel song, Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> well, we're now. We're open, the next season is going to be about any band. So, well, he's definitely very influ- influential in many artistic forms. I reckon you'd be able to find something. All right, great. Well, by the end of this episode, we should have decided on an album. Maybe we can. Yeah, we'll do an episode on that as well. Oh, that's fun. We could do uh-huh. a, a four-way this week. Finally. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> well, so he is very influential, as I just said. The Smithsonian list him as the most influential American author ever. Really? It has been said that, quote, no other American writer has had an en- as enduring and pervasive an influence on popular culture. Wow. Uh, outside of his profound influence on literature and culture, he lived a weird life and had an even weirder death. Why did the greatest writer of his generation go missing for a week before being found in another city wearing clothes that didn't even belong to him? This is the life and death Whoa. of Edgar Allan Poe. What, you've never borrowed clothes from a stranger? I never died in them. Yeah. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> okay, well, Dave, here's the thing. When you die and I'll be notified, I'm going to turn up and put you in some of my clothes and then be like, oh, that's weird. Oh, what a weirdo. That's weird Dave was wearing my clothes when he died and then you'll feel like a real fool I'll feel like for a fool. what you just said. And you'll be arrested for murder. <laughs> Even if you didn't do it. I didn't do it. But the DNA will be all over him. <laughs> in my own clothes. Yeah. Hmm, I didn't think this through. <laughs> so Edgar Allan Poe was born on January 19th, 1809 in Boston, Massachusetts. I'm pronouncing that obviously incorrectly, Matt. How do I say that? Massachusetts. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, he was the son of two actors, Eliza and David Poe. Ugh, actors, am I right? Uh. <laughs> well, yes. Uh, he was possibly named after a, a character in King Lear, a play his parents had appeared in. Uh, just looking at the character list, they chose Ed- but Edgar, but he could have been called Kent... Oswald or Old Man. Oh, Old Man <laughs> Alan Poe. My drama teacher um, had kids after I left school. One of their middle names was Montague. <laughs> and I was oh. like, oh, come on. 
Give that kid a chance. I'm a drama teacher. <laughs> Middle name at least. That's yeah, Barry. exactly. I think that's where you get to have a little fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have a bit of fun. My mum went for her own name when she named me. My, bit of fun. My parents, yeah, went very boring. Well, both of our parents. Yeah, well, my name is David James Macbeth. Warnke, <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, mine's uh, Matthew James T-Bird <laughs> Stewart from Greece. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't remember that Shakespeare character, but he's still got a lot of plays. I don't know them all. <laughs> Tebow. <laughs> so um, I'm Jessica Ann Wayne Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> I went deep because. <laughs> The Cap Montagues versus Capulets, T Birds versus whoever. Oh right. Both very big literary Yes. Am I saying that right? Huge. Huge. It influence. works, it works. Okay, so he's yeah, he's named after a character in King Lear. Because his parents were actors, but he had a tragic childhood after his his father left his mother and died soon after uh, and she died soon after of tuberculosis. Oh no. His father then died that same year when he was only about two years old. So Edgar and his older brother and younger sister were all orphaned, sorry, when he was just three years old, yeah. Oh, shit. Maybe so that... So hang on, he's got an older brother and a younger sister. Yeah. Damn. But they were all split up and sent out to different families. No. Maybe instead of T-Birds, it could have been T-Burks, and they're, um, they're all kids of people who died of tuberculosis. <laughs> T-Burks. Tuberculosis. Whether T-Burks. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yes. I reckon. You turn, yeah. Because it's obviously very sad, but then maybe, you know. You got a cool gang name out yeah, of it. Yeah, and you bond with other people who've gone through the same turn thing. Turn that frown upside down. Yeah. Yeah, we're playing for pinks. <laughs> <laughs> so they're all, yeah, so tragically the siblings were all split up and sent to different families. Edgar was taken in by John Allen and his wife, Frances Valentine Allen, in Richmond, Virginia. John Allen was a wealthy tobacco merchant who also dealt in slaves. This was in a slave era in, in, in America. Well, Ooh. it would have been weird if he was dealing in slaves outside <laughs> of a slave era. Yes, no. Great point. Yeah, okay. But I still don't like that about him, no, but no, 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 it does just, make me understand it a little more. Yeah, I hate it about him. It's, uh, yeah, yeah I've got to tell you, his dad, uh, well, his adopted dad, John, not a great guy, so I am painting him in that way, to be honest. Uh, he, he never formally adopted Edgar, and uh, according to the New Yorker, he never loved him either. But Edgar did start writing his name as Edgar Allan Poe. So before this, he was just Edgar Poe. Okay, but Edgar Allan Poe is better. It sounds good. I mean, that wasn't respect to his stepfather. It was just a better sounding name. Yeah. Like a stage name. You know? Page yeah. name. Like a page name. <laughs> I like that. Mm. <laughs> uh, the two clusters they had is that different... that the new version of Nom de Plume? That's just my page just name. That's my page name. It sounds good. I love that. I Although think Nom just de Plume is fun to say. That is true. A That's why it's probably always going to Yeah. Win. Sucked in, page name. Damn it. Which we just made up and destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> we birthed you. <laughs> we killed you. <laughs> That's Such very is life. That's very Shakespearean. Yeah. Yeah. Is it very Poeillian? Yeah, was that? A, was this, I think that was a quote from T Bird. <laughs> I don't know why I've gone Greece mad today. <laughs> I love it. I haven't seen it in a long time. It's all right. Well, now we know what you're doing Is tonight. Is T Bird even right? I think so. I never liked Greece that much. I didn't either. So I, I think I you're of, right. I think maybe I kind of did. It's fine. But it was, as a kid, old things just felt like, oh, it's so old. Yeah. And it was an old movie set even older. Exactly. So it just felt. Ugh. But Would it surprise you I said I was a big fan? Yes. 
Well, you'd be correct. I do not like it at all. <laughs> you hate musicals. Yeah, I know. <laughs> a flying car? What were they thinking? It's like, it makes no sense. There's no other kind of magic or whimsy in the whole fucking thing and then they fly off at the end? What are you talking about? I, d- I anyway. did watch it a lot as a kid. It was one of the things we obviously had on tape. And but there, and I watched most of it. There was this one slow song we fast forwarded through every time. Um, and and she was on a swing, yeah. and it looked always looked so funny as we fast forwarded through when she's swinging backwards. <laughs> <on the water. laughs> uh. That is fun. I miss fast forwarding. Yeah, and I miss like being able to where you tape something off TV and then you'd fast forward through the ads and you'd know sort of which ad was last. Yeah, yeah. and so you'd press play at the right time because it would slow down slowly and then play, and you'd feel like a fucking king if you nailed it. Oh yeah. But if you didn't, oh, you'd have to back it up. No, and it's the same. You're like, oh. It's fun. It's must be funny for like there'll be twenty year olds listening to this going, "What, what the are fuck are you old assholes talking yeah. about?" And then having to rewind the tape before you took it back to Blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, there was a charge. Yeah, be like, kind to rewind. Yeah, there's, remember that some some places would charge you like a dollar or something for not rewinding. Yeah. Those crooks. So weird. Yeah, I reckon that that'll catch up with them one day. Yeah. I reckon Blockbuster will go out of business. Yeah, they'll eventually. have their come up one day. Mm. Very Shakespearean. <laughs> the Blockbuster goes out of business. Anyway, sorry, sorry all Very the poheads tuning in are yeah. going to find that. Uh, so we're up to Edgar and John Allen yes. not uh, getting along that well. They clashed as they had different aims for the young man. Mr. Allen wanted to raise Poe to be a businessman and a Virginian gentleman like himself. But Poe was more interested in emulating the life of his childhood hero, British poet Lord Byron. Ah, died young. Syphilis, something like that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and even from a very young age, Edgar was like, I want to do that, live fast, die young. Well, will he achieve that? We'll find out on this report. Uh, (laughs) Now, in 1815, Alan moved with his family to London to take advantage of the booming British market for Virginian tobacco. Really? Poe attended, yeah. Poe attended posh boarding schools over there. Hello, we're a posh school. <laughs> I love that idea that it's like that they advertise that way. We're a posh boarding school. Hello, Hello. <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire is the headmaster. <laughs> Hello, children. <laughs> Welcome to posh boarding school. Why is she always baking a cake? <laughs> and it's always on the windowsill. Yeah. But you the kids are too polite to eat it. You know what posh means to Jess? Robin Williams in drag. <laughs> so <Hello>. posh. <laughs> Nothing posher. I love posh culture. <laughs> I love posh spice. <laughs> yeah. That's posh. <laughs> that's posh. Now that's posh. Posh and Beck's so posh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're doing well and he's at this posh school in London. But then during the panic of 1819, uh, there was a bust in the... In, the first bust in the industrialising 19th century. Banks failed, factories closed, and Allen's business imploded. Oh, Not no. good. So the family in debt moved back to Virginia, where young Edgar began writing poetry of his own at the age of 15. The New Yorker describes his teenage stuff as adolescent melancholy and nothing more. Yeah, what do you expect from a 15-year-old? <laughs> re- Why re- isn't he talking about complex things? Yeah, but I reckon it's pretty good. I've got a line here. This is the earliest verse that survives, written on a piece of paper his adopted father had used to calculate it, his uh, his own compound interest losses. Oh, so damn. there's all this maths about freaking out about family losses on one side. And the other side, this line from a 15-year-old. Last night, with many cares and toils oppressed, weary, I laid me on a couch to rest. 
That's not bad. That's not bad. That's that, pretty good. That pretty, for yeah. poetry, that's pretty good. I'd be stoked with that. Yeah. I mean, 15 year old me was probably still trying to figure out haikus. <laughs> How do they work again? <laughs> Never been good when at poetry. In, year, <laughs> in the first couple of weeks of year seven, I remember I wrote a lot. We had to write a, like a two lines of poetry. And I wrote it about I had spilt some demison, some medicine on the floor in the study. And the, I remember the line was, I spilt it on the study. F- what was it? I still remember it. What was it? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I spilt it near the door on the study floor. It was blue, like the colour of Mitchell's shoe. My friend Mitchell had blue runners. Great. I mean, compare that to Edgar. The New Yorker is going to tear me apart. <laughs> and of course, in Year 7, you still would have been only able to take liquid demison. Oh, yeah. <laughs> still to this day. Yeah. Can't swallow pills. Uh, that is just melancholic teenage faff. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Enough yeah. of this faffery. <laughs> Enough of Mitchell's shoes. So these days, I'm, I'm smart enough to get the clear peach flavour over that blue stuff. That's, that's going to ruin any carpet. <laughs> yeah. I just looked up. I wasn't sure about Lord Byron, how he died. Apparently he died of fever, not syphilis. But I found this quick paragraph. Oh, please. That mentions him and syphilis. It's from... Uh, TheCultureTrip.com. It says, After a long relationship with his half-sister, leading to a child, he had affairs with actresses, married society women, and many young men, so that by the age of 21, he had raging cases of gonorrhea and syphilis. Love didn't come in a triangle for Byron, but something closer to a pentacle. Ooh. What a paragraph. Yeah, wow. Wow, that was... And a 15-year-old wrote that. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> so, 15-year-old. Pretty didn't good. rhyme that much. No. It's not, not that much. I don't like that kind of poetry that doesn't rhyme. Yeah, yeah I'm like with you. Blue like the colour of Mitchell's shoe. Good <laughs> stuff. Love it. Good. Um, so you're saying Byron, his hero, is a bit of a lover. Edgar loved a few women in his life himself. In 1823, at age 14, he fell in love with a school friend's mum, Jane Stannard. No, 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 no. no. Been there, done that. <laughs> The character of Stifler was actually based on Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on. Stifler didn't bang his own mum. Someone else's mum, didn't he? Yeah, it was Finch. Oh, no, it was Stifler's (laughs) mum. I hated those movies. Milf, milf, Oh, Gross. (laughs) But as Jane Stannard, the friend's mum, has been described as unhinged and insane. She died the following year and Edgar spent a lot of time at her gravesite where no more became his favourite phrase. Ah, that's from The Raven? The Raven. The Raven uh, famously only says nevermore. Nevermore. So it's possibly the 14-year-old version of his later self. And nevermore is the name of a a metal band, isn't it? I never connected that. That's probably where they got it from. There's also Evermore. The Australian New Zealand trio of brothers. Jeez, oh, he's been influential, hasn't <laughs> he? <laughs> How does he do it? So it's bad news for Edgar, but uh, some good news came for his semi-adoptive father, John Allen, when his uncle died and left John millions and millions and millions of dollars. Oh, phew. So suddenly he was extremely flush. This guy, John, his uncle, was one of the richest people in the state and left most of it to his nephew. So he didn't... Wow. He didn't oh, wait. He... This isn't to Edgar. No, this is his. Uh, his I was going to say he didn't even love him, but he. Oh, I see. Yeah. No, sadly. Um, uh, but Edgar was a bit of a lover boy, so he's at the graveside of his friend's mum. But because the next year, at the age of fifteen, he started seeing and possibly even became engaged to Sarah Elmira Royster. But sadly, that's her, a great name, Royster. Royster. But sadly, her father did not prove. But, prove. He's, but he's from the richest family. 
around. Yes, but he's only he's like the sort of illegitimate son. Right. Not seen. He's also 15. Yeah. I don't think I'd let my daughter marry a, a 15-year-old, I'll be honest. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Sorry, I'm a bit old-fashioned <laughs> that way. You wouldn't let your 36-year-old daughter marry a 15-year-old? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Strange. But then again, she's 36, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, she Good makes on. her own calls. <laughs> I think the age that Lord Byron died, 36. Ah. About that. So he held on for a few years after the gonorrhea? After yeah. the mega gonorrhea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mega gonorrhea. Uh, we've got your results back. It's not good. You have mega gonorrhea. <laughs> Am I invincible? <laughs> like, I don't know what gonorrhea is, but if it's like little microby things, it's them only the size of bull ants. Yeah. Inside your dick. <laughs> Inside your dick. Slowly it's not eating good. It. It's not good. Let me tell you that. It's not good. <laughs> no, it's not good. It's quite painful. <laughs> it's very bad. It's like bits of Lego <laughs> oh, around in there. Oh, which bits? <laughs> Some, oh. I don't know. Not the, those ones with six dots on the top. They're big. No, like two dots. Oh, That's still, still big. big. <laughs> Sorry, well, Dave. In comparison to what we've got. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's not less There's bad. multiple bits yeah. inside your dick. Oh, okay. Oh, dear. Yeah. Got to call a doctor. Yeah. Mega gonorrhea. <laughs> Mega gonorrhea. A few, la- a few years later in 1826, Poe left his home in Richmond to attend the University of Virginia. He did well at his studies but found himself in debt. There are two stories as to what happened. PoeMuseum.org, which unsurprisingly paints a favourable picture of the author. Interesting. Claims that his adopted father, despite his wealth, was miserly and sent Poe to college with less than a third of the funds he needed. And Poe soon took up gambling to raise money to pay his expenses. Did this gambling pay off? No, it did not. In fact, <laughs> he lost even more money. Oh, no. That's weird. You normally hear of people gambling, like, who are desperate and gamble. You normally hear them just Coming out on top. Yeah. yeah, I think every time I've heard someone say, put it all on red, they double their money. If I told you about the story that uh, was in Bristol at the casino there, um, years back and the guy was staying with at the hostel it's an english guy and we went to the casino and he um the the roulette wheel was spinning and he goes that's all the money i have in the world what (laughs) it was on the table the wheel was already spinning so he couldn't he couldn't take it off we're like, what? And everyone around the table heard. And we're all watching with our heart in our mouth. <gasps> including this woman who was like betting thousands of hands. She's gone, that's madness. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and he won. Oh, my God. And he, won, he tripled his money and he could afford uh, to stay in the hostel for another few weeks. It was... No. What a wild moment. No. I mean, if you're staying in the hostel, don't go to the casino. No. Those two don't go together. Well, look, we were having a fun time, but we had some money left. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, in a way, that's not a great life lesson, is it? Because no. it paid off for him. It's, yeah. yeah, exactly. And then he'd rely yeah. on that next yeah, time. Exactly. Three weeks later, he would be down there with his last money yeah. again. He was a fun guy, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's one story of Edgar being kicked out of university because uh, his father wouldn't give him the money. The other story is he had to leave university because despite his stepfather paying for his fees, Edgar got into gambling debt anyway. And when his f- stepfather refused to bail him out, even faced with the possibility of jail time for not paying his debts, Edgar had to go. So either way, he was in debt due to gambling troubles. Right. By the end of um, 
His first term of school, Poe was so desperately poor that he burnt his furniture to keep warm. He wrote his stepfather for money, apparently, saying, I am in the greatest necessity, not having tasted food since yesterday morning. Oh, that's not good. Burning your furniture to stay warm. That is such a short-term win. I know. What kind of furniture? What do you sit on around the fire? Oh, no. While your Chesterfield burns. (laughs) That's worth a lot of money. (laughs) Sell it. Sell it for firewood. Buy a shitter couch and some furniture. Uh, and some firewood. So he was forced to return home to Richmond, where, already pretty down and out, he discovered his childhood sweetheart, Sarah Almira Royster, had married another <gasps> man. No. He was heartbroken. Sarah, how could you? How could you? I've only been away for a couple of years. We've and lost touch. <laughs> we, were not a- we were not allowed to marry, so I assumed you would never marry. You're right? Not allowed to marry. Full stop. Yeah, done. Not, uh, not, it's nothing to do with me. It wasn't my problem. Uh, tensions began to boil over between uh, Edgar and his stepfather, John Allen, and Edgar left home at age 18 to become a great poet and to find adventure. Okay. He moved to Boston, probably because the only object that he had from his dead mother was a watercolour painting of that city, on the back of which she had written, For my little son Edgar, who, would, who should ever love Boston, the place of his birth, and where his mother found her best and most sympathetic friends. Oh, that's nice. So he read that and was like, well, I've got to go to Boston. That's what mum would have wanted. That's really lovely. He wanted two things, to be a poet and to find adventure, as I said. And as far as the poetry, at 18, he published his first collection of poems, Tamerlane and Other Poems, it was called. It's it, it said by a Bostonian, like by Edgar Allan Poe, uh, po, by a Bostonian, even though he'd only just moved there. So he was trying to get this new identity from his mother. Only about 50 copies were printed and sadly he didn't get any attention for them. Do you have any context for what poetry was then? Was it like what would be the modern equivalent of poetry? I think it was... It could be ska music. Stuff like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, or like uh, I spilt it on the floor near the study door. It was blue, like the colour of Mitchell shoe. So it's it's still poetry. I mean, like, you know, in terms of pop culture, is it was it more like a sitcom, you know? Uh, he was trying to emulate Lord Byron, which is pretty, like, you know, classic. Do you understand the question I'm asking? So you're asking, like, from a consumer point of view, yeah, like, was what poetry would, popular? Well, like, because poetry still exists now, but it's not... It, I was imagining it was more of a mainstream thing than it is now. Oh, yes, sorry, yes, people would pay for poetry. So it's more like, a, like, a mag, like buying a magazine or something? Yeah, and you... And, also, he would, throughout his life, make money by selling his poetry and short stories to magazines to publish. Right. So, yeah, there was definitely a bigger market for poetry back then than there is now. It's more like blo- modern blogging. It's probably like, um, is it the equivalent of like a YouTube cooking show? <laughs> yeah. I love you trying to find a connection. <laughs> I'm just going to say yes. I yeah. thought it was. Yeah. But sadly, I know I said it's more... Po- kitchen. Maybe it's like the equivalent of that. <laughs> <laughs> if you know Poe, that's very funny. <laughs> um, so, I say it's more popular, but he was still unable to support himself. So, he enlisted in the US Army. Oh. By accounts, he did quite well there and attained the rank of Sergeant Major for artillery. To get higher, he'd have to go to the Military Academy to get any higher in, in position. So, he did so, enlisting in the United States Military Academy at West Point while continuing to write and publish poetry. But after only eight months at West Point, he was thrown out, probably again due to lack of financial support. Uh, There are rumours that he actually wanted to get kicked out, 
uh, because he'd signed up for five years and was like, I don't want to be here. The big rumour is that... Never sign up for five years. It's a long time. It's a long deal. Go a month-to-month contract. (laughs) (laughs) Test the waters. You want to be able to escape at any point. (laughs) Month-to-month in the military. I'm just going to do month-to-month in this war. Is that okay? Is that all right? I'll just see how I go. Yeah. Don't want to lock in. Yeah, I'll sign up for May, but I'm not sure about June. And can I put some nails in the wall to hang a painting? (laughs) (laughs) No. Okay. Uh, There are rumours that the final straw at the military college came when he reported for drill wearing belts for his cartridges, a smile and nothing else. Oh, chop out. Yeah, chop out, look insane, get kicked out. That's how he did it. He sort of went with the, what was that, MASH character? That's what I was just thinking, (laughs) Klinger? Klinger. Was it Klinger? Yeah. I reckon it was Klinger. I don't know too much about MASH. Oh, man, you got to watch MASH. There was Klinger who he tried, to, he tried to be crazy to get kicked out. But they so, just he was always in women's clothing. But he should have just gone nude. He should have just gone nude. Yeah, because then he wouldn't have even been able to be on TV. So, that would have been smart. Oh, and isn't that the story oh, yeah. in, Ca- <clears throat> I mean, in Catch-22? Yes. Catch-22, he's trying to look insane, but then he's not in... in- yeah, if you're, if you're trying to look insane, then you're sane enough to know that yeah. you should leave the army, which means you're not insane. Mm-hmm. Whoa, mind-blowing stuff. In truth, he was most likely kicked out after he stopped going to class, parade roll calls and chapel. Leading, He, just, he was just playing He stopped hooky. turning up. and Yeah, and they just court-martialed him and dismissed him. It's hard to know, to be honest, for certain, because Poe was a well-known liar in his life. He used aliases, often lied about his age and details about his personal life. A quote again from The New Yorker. I have an... In- this is a great word. I have an invertate habit of speaking the truth, Poe once wrote. That too was a lie. <laughs> 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 Poe lied compulsively about his own life has proved the undoing of many biographer. They yeah, had. that would be hard. It's difficult because, yeah, he would just say, you know, no, I'm, only, I'm 22 and he's only 19. Or he'd say I'm 23 and he's only 18. Like, well, I might start just bullshitting yeah. for my uh, inevitable biographers. Mm. You know, keep a bit, an, a, an air of mystery about me. I'm 22. I love it. And a princess. Oh. oh. Of what? Uh, what? None of your business. Realm. Seek mystery. Uh, yeah, keep a bit of intrigue. Princess, I like it. but where? Who knows? It's exciting. Uh, what we do know for certain is that he left the military, one way or another. He had more squabbles with his stepfather after his stepmother died because the stepmother, uh, stepfather married a woman quite quickly, 20 years his junior, and then disowned and cut out Edgar for good. Ugh. So he was cut off, sucks. cut off from the rich, rich, rich stepfather. Poe left for New York City in February 1831 and released a third volume of poems. This compilation simply titled Poems. Oh, Love that's that. good. Love that. Simple. Yeah. Classic. Uh, they were in part financed by donations from fellow cadets at the West Point Academy. Poe had apparently been writing satirical uh, poems at the expense of their commanding officers, and uh, they may have been expecting this book to be on a similar theme. But so they it funded was it. not. It was not. They're like, nah, write more about the colonel yeah. being dumb. Being dumb and having <laughs> a big butt. <laughs> write more like that. These ones are sad and make me think. But they were too, they were just bleak stuff. Quote from poemuseum.org here. Broken alone, Poe turned to Baltimore, his late father's home. And called upon relatives in the city. So his actual father, his birth father. Mm-hmm. One of Poe's cousins robbed him in the night, but another relative, Poe's aunt Maria Clem, became a new mother to him and welcomed him into her home. So robbed by one cousin, then moving in with another. With okay. An- of your cousins, which one would you rob? 
Oh, I've got a lot. I've got 50-odd cousins. Oh. Yeah, I've got a lot. So I've got a lot to choose from. Probably one of the rich ones who wouldn't Yeah, that'd make sense. Gosh, I've only got seven, so it's... Yeah, you've got, you got to choose wisely there. Sorry about that. 50 might be overstating it. Do we counting second cousins? First cousin, I've got to think of about 40. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That's re- that's that's so low. It's not even worth mentioning. Yeah, I think Four, if I can check, I'll get them all to send me their finances. And yeah, then, I'll then I'll decide. Wait, are any of you rich? Anyone rich? Just asking. <laughs> no, no reason. Hey, you know, you said Baltimore. That's the um, their NFL teams, the Ravens. Oh, you better believe I got a fun fact oh, about that great. coming up. Which is amazing, right? Sorry, that's not a coincidence. That ain't no coincidence. Oh, that's, oh, that's awesome. That's cool. Very, very cool. Yeah, that's the, that's their connection. But yeah, that's, I'll, uh, that's my big closer, that fun <laughs> oh, thing. No. We'll edit out this bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't. It's fine. It's fine. Um, so he's robbed by one cousin, uh, but then moved in with Aunt Maria and her nine-year-old daughter, Virginia. So his... Cousin. Cousin. Yes, cousin. I'm sure <laughs> uh, his post-brother, Henry, had also been living there, but soon died of alcoholism. So oh, it's no. a lot of... It's a very very tragic time to be yeah. alive. Yeah, that's amazing how lucky we are to live in a time where you're probably, well, depending on who you are and you, whatever, but you're probably going to see past your 30s. Uh, ideally, But back then yeah. it feels like you were not. Yeah. No. With uh, Poe was living in Baltimore, his stepfather, John Allen, died, leaving Edgar out of his will, which was a slap in the face because it did provide for an illegitimate child whom Allen had never seen. Oh, that's but Edgar, who he'd adopted at, as a three-year-old and had lived as his son, got nothing from this absolute multi, multi, multi-millionaire. So it's just like to him, it's all about blood. Blood, and also the fact that Edgar didn't—he wanted to be a poet. He didn't want to be. A, I, I wanted him to be my protege, and he slapped me in the face. Oh, so, okay. so fuck him. Oh Yuck. yeah, right. Why? So adopt if he him if then? he if he wanted to just be his protege, he would have really probably looked after him. Probably, yeah. Mm. So he missed out on this massive estate and all the while Poe was living in poverty but still riding. He won a, f- a prize of $50 from the Baltimore Saturday Visitor for a story called MS, Found in a Bottle. Oh, that was about me. <laughs> That's Stuart, Found in a Bottle. <laughs> the bottom of a bottle. There you'll find me. Uh, the story gave Poe connections which allowed him to publish more stories and to eventually gain an editorial position at the Southern Literary Messenger back in Richmond. He'd seemed to finally have found a calling that paid his wages as a magazine editor. He was paid $60 a month, modest enough, but for him, a fortune. He may have been fired within a few weeks for being drunk on the job, but they took him back when he promised it wouldn't happen again. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a liar. That feels like the kind of job you could do a bit drunk, you know? Right. I mean, you're not driving a bus, are you? <laughs> you're just editing some shit. That's all right. <laughs> I'm the bus driving editor. What, you telling me you guys... Jewel <laughs> <laughs> <Chill> roll. <laughs> you're telling me you guys have never edited the podcast, you know, half cut. Really? Well, full uh, cut. <laughs> probably a couple once or twice. Go hard, go home. <laughs> yeah, I like to party. <laughs> you know that I episode that study. just stopped mid-sentence? Yeah. That time? Yeah. I'd had a couple. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, let's party. <laughs> well, despite being possibly drunk on the job, he did well for the magazine as an editor, putting it on the map and popularising it with his sensational stories and his scathing reviews oh, of other writers. That's oh. fun. It's funny how influential as a writer he is now. All the... 
all of the famous people who write anything gothic or horror or detective always point to Edgar Allan Poe, big influence, but in his lifetime, he was seen much more as a critic than a writer. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. Huh. Ah, well, you know, those who can't do, review. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say. So. I forgot midway through that that was not the phrase, <laughs> but it works out way better. It works yeah. really well. It rhymes. It rhymes. Yeah. It's also kind of true. <laughs> yeah. Is it? I mean, that probably is a phrase that's been coined already. It worked so well. Surely. Because those who can't do teach is bullshit because teachers are great. And it's a totally <laughs> different skill. Yeah, but... Completely re- different. Reviewing. I might be reviewing. biased as a son of two teachers, but... But reviewing, quite easy. <laughs> well, yeah. <do laughs> there, it. I said it. Yeah, no, you're right. I look forward to your next review. <laughs> Your, your next performance review, Dave and I bring. Well, we've got. We said we'd never talk about those on the podcast. Yeah, we'll. They're an off-pod thing. Quarterly review with PowerPoint presentation. I'm on probation. <laughs> I got. I was naughty. <laughs> yeah, because you were editing the podcast half cut. <laughs> she promised it would never happen Instead again. Instead of full cut, <laughs> you were mad yeah. at me for not being Come drunk on, enough. Ma- I mean, don't do it in half measures. <laughs> Uh, so Poe soon developed a reputation as a fearless critic who not only attacked an author's work but also insulted the author and the northern literary establishment. So he was just having a real crack. Poe targeted some of the most famous writers in the country. One of <laughs> He also had a big, big crack at Charles Dickens and then uh, Dickens came over and they met apparently at one stage. But one of his victims was the anthologist and editor Rufus Griswold. Rufus Griswold. Well, it's a great name. Fantastic. And remember that name. Okay. That's coming back. I'll never forget that name. Rufus Griswold. He had a crack at Rufus Griswold. Really slammed him hard. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) So we are. (laughs) That's hot. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Poe on Wald. Love it. Uh, In 1836, at the age of 27, Poe married for the first time. His 13 year old cousin, Virginia Clem. No. No. As soon as you said. And her daughter was living there too. I was like, no, this isn't going to be Most good. I know. He married Nine his year cousin. Old daughter. And he's 27. He's married a 13-year-old. Yeah, and he said she was 21. So what even at mean? the time, right, that was not the done thing. Yeah, your first cousin and, and a 13. Child. Yeah, I think that's very, very young. He said she was 21. And, oh, to if, who? Her? <laughs> yeah, you're 21. If anyone asks. Well, he called her his darling little wifey. Yeah. I know, it's I so hate creepy. that. Even if that was they were the same age and not blood related, <laughs> I'd hate that. <laughs> Who's my little wifey? My darling little wifey. Yuck. I got friends who call their wives wifey. I do not like it. I don't know why. I shouldn't have an opinion on it, but yeah. whenever they say it, I just go, ugh. You do you, but not in front of people. <laughs> 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 That's the thing. I think pet names should just be a... When you're alone thing Out in public My name's Jess <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay <laughs> And that's it <laughs> Alright my little wifey Yuck <laughs> Oh I hate miso When people Yeah, yeah. miso sucks Makes me feel uncomfortable Mrs. Miso I don't like any of that mm-hmm. I don't like being referred to as that Because it's never good No It's never It's never like Oh I get to go home to my missus It's always like Oh bloody Gotta leave the pub boys The missus is mad at me yeah, Fuck well. off yeah. It's because it's 3 a.m., yeah, you dumb Bro- shit, and it's a Wednesday. Broden Kelly does say that a lot, doesn't <laughs> he? does, and I, I keep <laughs> telling him I don't like it. <laughs> 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching! <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So he's with his darling little wife. He's 13. He's 27. The marriage has been described as a happy one, but money was always tight. Because she was 13. And I'm not blaming her for the money. I'm just saying like, she can't go get a job, can she? Edgar. She could have been a rat catcher. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Good point. Chimney sweep. Uh, Poe really suffered in a time where international copyright laws were almost non-existent and international authors' work could be published essentially for free. So, leaving local writers struggling to make a living. Right. Because, I mean, why would you pay Poe to write something when you can just bloody reprint some Dickens or something for free? Because no one's suing. So, uh, Poe really pushed for reforms in this area. Uh, In 1841, Poe published one of his most influential stories... The Murder in the Rue Morgue, which Matt will know as the subject of this week's book cheat if you want to hear a full oh, plot summary. My and, goodness, what and a, a story. And a detailed analysis <laughs> that Matt and I really went through. Yeah, I like the middle, but the ending, a little disappointing. <laughs> well. I just wanted it to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Don't end. The short story originally published in Graham's Magazine. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> that sounds like a, a backyard operation, doesn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where po- where Poe was the editor and finally being paid well at the time, it's cited as the first ever detective story ever. Isn't wow. that crazy? Yeah. There's a building called Graham. Isn't that shit? Where's that? You know how St Kilda, you know how old buildings like would have names? Like oh, I, I love used it. to live in one called Montana. Oh, I lived in Hatfield. Hatfield. Um, I remember going on a tram past one that was called Graham. <laughs> I was like, well, that sucks. They used to be named after like architects' kids and stuff. Is that right? There's a row Maybe. of um, terrace houses somewhere in Melbourne that I've seen that there's, you know, there's like six in a row and they're each got a, 
a woman's name. Ah. And it, yeah, they were like the builder's daughters. Right, like Vera. Yeah. <laughs> Glennis. <laughs> <laughs> it was those sort of names. Yeah, right. Does the, uh, how nice the name is really affect the value of the property? Yes. People are, yeah, oh, yeah. I don't want to live in Glennis. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to live in Glennis. Why isn't Vera on the market? <laughs> I love Vera. Vera's hot. It's a great name. Mm, Vera. Anyway. So, yeah, The Murder in the Rue Morgue is the first ever detective story influencing every crime novel, every detective character, every crime and TV show and film in one way or another. It started with this one. You're joking. That's awesome. Yeah, so The Murderers in the Rue Morgue centres around C. Auguste Dupin, who was a, uh, a Frenchman tasked with solving the br- uh, brutal murder of two women. Remember that bit? Ha, ha, ha. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, of course I do from yesterday's episode of Book Yes. <laughs> uh, Poe's Dupin <laughs> displays many traits which became literary uh, conventions in subsequent fictional detectives, including Sherlock Holmes and Hercule Poirot. Uh, the character was especially influential on Arthur Conan Doyle, creator of Sherlock Holmes, who is very similar to Dupin in, in many ways. Both characters are, are brilliant detectives who solve crimes through deduction and observation, and the story is told from a close friend's perspective, right. much like John Watson and Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. People who are interested, if they haven't, we did an episode about uh, Arthur Conan Doyle and Sherlock Holmes. Yes, we definitely did. I think you did the report, didn't yes, you? Yes, and how he believed in fairies. <laughs> I don't remember I that. I don't remember <laughs> that either. Yes, he became a very sus- uh, superstitious man after his son sadly died in the war. Ah, but the man I mentioned earlier, Rufus Wilmot Griswold, a well-known critic and anthologist as well as Poe's greatest rival, Ooh. Wow. took over editing Graham Magazine after Poe's departure in April 1842. Graham Magazine. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> Graham. I don't mind the name Graham. How do you picture it spelt? Oh, great, great question. Um, in this case, I am imagining G R A H A M. Yeah, um, but I generally, I generally picture it the other way. E M E. Yeah, I wonder why that is. Oh, yeah, I, I, I think I go straight to H. Mm. Graham. Graham sounds delicious. It's just it's funny. Graham or Graham. Graham. That's funny. Funny's funny. Funny's funny. <laughs> it's a fine name for a first name. Fine name for a surname. Shit name for a magazine. Or a building. Or a building. Or That's a building. Bad. Yeah, it's a good surname. Real good surname. Great, yeah. There's an Graham. actor called someone Graham, isn't there? From Heather Graham. Heather Graham. Great name. Mm. Fantastic name. I'd be happy to live in Heather Graham. Lovely. What about my Uncle Graham? Oh, uh, your Uncle Graham. <laughs> he seems stinky. <laughs> okay. Nah, yeah. good on him. Good on Uncle, old Uncle Graham. I like him a lot. If he's a real person, he's which real. he is. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> oh I've said God. too much. <laughs> We've uh, had an odd one today. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's an odd guy. This this uh, 1843 was full of ups and downs for the writer when his friends heard that his wife and mother-in-law were starving. They gave him $15, only to come across him an hour later, drunk and in the street. Good. Mm. His mother-in-law is also his aunt. Yeah, that's true. And what, she was fine with him marrying her 13-year-old daughter? Yeah, I guess you hope that... That's fucked. I guess you hope that he'd be able to provide for them, but he's uh, not doing so well then, but he probably... Do you think that he's so good at writing uh, crime stories because he's committing a real bad one every day? Maybe. You know, you've got to get in the head of a criminal. Yeah, inside job. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> he just wrote he just wrote his own life and people were like, wow. Whoa, this what, is so messed up. How do you think of this? He's just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah fiction. Think. Fiction, not a memoir. <laughs> Uh, in 1843, he also published what is one of his best-known short stories today, which you can hear about in uh, Book Cheat episode 15, uh, The Telltale Heart. But Poe found his greatest success whilst alive uh, when on January 29, 1845, his poem The Raven, also the subject of that episode 15 of Book Cheat. I did and a double. both been featured on The Simpsons. Yeah, that's, that's very true, yeah. The Telltale Heart was, yeah, it was like a... Lisa's rival. Yeah. yeah that's right. With a... It's the infernal beating of that heart. <laughs> I mean, I think I hear something. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but he published The Raven in 1845, which appeared in the Evening Mirror and became a popular sensation. Despite appearing in minuscule type beside classified ads for real estate, knives, boots and shoes, it made Poe a household name almost instantly. I wish it was boots and hats. Sorry. <laughs> boots and is it boots and hats or boots and cats that you say when you try to <laughs> you try to beatbox? Well, <laughs> well, I have no idea what have this. You never heard that? I'm so sorry, Dave. Just continue. It does make me up. think of one of my favourite ever YouTube videos for that mall in the USA where they all got together and each shop made a song. Oh yeah, boots and pants and boots and pants, <laughs> denim, <laughs> haircuts, backpacks, backpacks. Come get your backpacks. <laughs> New shoes. <laughs> yeah, it's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, boots and pants. Uh, so it made him a household name, the Raven. But he was only, he was paid up front for it, and only got nine dollars for the publication. Shit. So he didn't get paid well, but he did make him more of a popular speaker, and that was how he started making money by appearing and uh, speaking. I'm starting to wonder if he um, got fame in his lifetime. So it sounds like he obviously did. Yes. Well, some fame and some success. He tried to capitalise on this success by buying his own magazine, The Broadway Journal. That's a better name. It had been a lifelong dream of his to own his own publication, but sadly this venture was a financial bust. Yeah, because it had such a legit name. Yeah. You should have called it Uncle Gary's Funhouse of Magazine Times. <laughs> and then you'll be rich forever. <laughs> I, I would have bought a copy of that. <laughs> Honestly, if someone on the street and was like, you can buy this for a buck, I'd be like, well, that's a pretty good title. (laughs) I would be going, there's a bit in this, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, the big issue, well, I mean, it's not that great a name, is it? But uh, Uncle Gary's Magazine of Funhouse. (laughs) Magazine fun. (laughs) It changes every time. (laughs) I love it. It's exciting. Uh, The failure of his dream of owning a magazine and his cousin slash wife's deteriorating health and rumours spreading about Poe's relationship with a married woman forced him to leave New York City in 1846. He moved to a tiny cottage in the country where sadly his wife slash cousin died of tuberculosis in 1847. Oh, she's joining the T-Burks. Oh, there's a few T-Burks in this story. He was rocked hard by his cousin slash wife's death and travelled around a lot after this. He did, however, rekindle love with an old flame. Sarah? When in 1849... No, Sarah did. He got... (laughs) No, Sarah's, Sarah's not dead. He got back with his childhood sweetheart. How could you forget? Elmira Royster Shelton. Ah, uh, Royston. The one he was possibly engaged to at the age of 15. Ah, uh, yes. She'd lived a life since. Her husband, Alex, Alexander B. Shelton, where she got the Shelton from, had become wealthy through involvement in the transportation industry, but had died and left her a widow. She inherited quite a fortune. He left her a widow. (laughs) (laughs) I can do whatever I want with this widow. (laughs) (laughs) Widow, fetch me tea. (laughs) Yes, miss. (laughs) 
What a weird parting gift. <laughs> he inherited <laughs> an old woman. <laughs> well, he didn't even die. He just gave it to us. Anyway, we're done. I bought this widow. What do you think? <laughs> I was left widowed. What do you meaning <laughs> a widow was given to me and my husband left for another. <laughs> That's not funny. Well, she, was, she inherited quite a fortune of $100,000, but the stipulate, with a stipulation that she would lose a portion of this estate if she ever remarried. Ah. But she became engaged to Poe nonetheless. That's uh, fucked. Man, that's so yeah, fucked. Yeah, it's really fucked. <laughs> uh, I'll be dead, so it doesn't worry me at all, but you better not find happiness again. <laughs> yeah. If you assume that marriage is happiness. If you assume you were ever happy. <laughs> Ugh. So, but you know, she became to Poe nonetheless, engaged nonetheless, which makes me think that they were actually in love. But they were intended to be married in Richmond after Poe returned from a trip to Philadelphia and New York. But then something happened. Oh, the widow got, broke her leg. Oh. <laughs> On September 27th, 1849, Edgar Allan Poe left Richmond, Virginia on his way to Philadelphia to edit a collection of poems for Mrs. St. Leon Loud, (laughs) who was a minor figure in poetry at the time. (laughs) Mrs. St. Leon Loud. That broke Matt. (laughs) It's a a lot to take in there, isn't it? It's too much. There's a lot happening. Fantastic. Jeez, so I wish we I wish we collected these names as we went. We really should have started. That'd be on the, that's got to be top ten. It's got to be out there. Mrs. St. Leon Loud. So the first stop is to stop in Philadelphia. Yep. And then continue on to New York and pick up his aunt and escort her back to Richmond, Virginia for his upcoming wedding to childhood sweetheart, Elmira. His aunt, who is also his mother-in-law for yeah. a bit. Okay. She obviously supports it, I guess. Oh, my God. So that with these people? So that was the plan. And that's sort of, it's in like a straight line. You go to, go to Philly, mm-hmm. up to New York, north, and then you come back down to Richmond, Virginia. That's the plan. It's not quite the golden mile of Gary to Pittsburgh, stopping in through Ohio, mm. but it's a pretty good as well. I mean, it's... It, How I many mean, Richmonds are there as well? There's a Richmond, I think, in every Australian state, just about. Yeah, pretty much. I wonder what the original Richmond is. Yeah, who's so Richmond? So influential. Yeah. Who is this? So many places named after Richmond. Johnny B. Richmond. The oldest bridge in Australia is in Richmond, Tasmania. Is it? Huh. Yeah. Richmond is obviously... The How'd we cross water before that? <laughs> Jumped. Whoa. <laughs> big jumpers. Big poles. Yeah, well, that's why we don't jump as big anymore. Not since the invention of bridges. Hmm. Interesting. The human mm. body has forgotten that skill. <laughs> yeah. Sad. It is sad. 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 <laughs> so the plan... Go to Philly, edit Mrs. St. <laughs> Loud. Then New York, pick up the aunt, come back. But what actually happened over the week is a mystery. <gasps> what? Because a week later, on October 3rd, 1849, Joseph W. Walker, who worked as a printer for the Baltimore Sun in Baltimore, headed to Gunners Hall, a local public house for a few drinks. Went down the pub. Yeah. Gunners oh. Hall. Gunners Hall. I like that. October 3rd was election day and Gunners Hall, like many pubs at the time, was used as a polling station. Oh, so you could vote at the pub. That's how to do it. Yes. Yeah. Not at primary schools. They do it at primary schools here. Why not at the pub? Go to the pub. You have to be 18 to vote anyway. So why not have a few? But yeah. then they could still do sausage sizzles. Do both. Sausage oh sizzles beer. God. Imagine a pint, a sausage and a vote. <laughs> what oh a my fucking God. day. Name a more iconic trio. <laughs> 
I, well, I can't. I can't either. Well, Dick Barry and Shane Van Dyke for well, one. Obviously, obviously, Dick Barry and Shane. <laughs> I mean, they're the ultimate, Dave. Every time we mention anything other than that from now on, that's a given. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry. It just trumps everything. It, really it makes does. life boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Walker went for, a, went for a brew at the pub, which is a polling station. When Walker arrived at Gunners Hall, he found a man, delirious and dressed in shabby second-hand clothes, lying in the gutter. The man was semi-conscious and unable to move. Walker approached him and to his shock, he realised the man was Edgar Allan Poe. He knew him. Yeah, he recognised him. Oh, he was, so he was famous by face. Famous by face. Have, if you've ever seen a photo of the guy, he's pretty individual looking. Right. Oh, is that a, is that a polite way of saying mustache? ugly? Uh, just a, a very, very large scone. Big oh. head. Yeah, great. Okay. And also, and they're in the same. It's a similar kind of industry because this yeah, guy he's a, he works in magazines. Yeah, he's a printer, yeah. so he would probably know it. So he knows Poe. him. Yeah, but yeah, he's he was quite famous. Oh yeah, I know this head. Is yeah, it's a great head. Oh, How far away is Baltimore? Like, is he really out of the way? He's a couple of hundred miles. Yeah, away from it, from where he was supposed it, but, to be. Yeah, so he's gone from Richmond, and he's supposed to go to Philadelphia, which is north, mm-hmm. and in between is Baltimore. Okay, but still, he had no plans to be there. No plans to be there. So he's he's shocked. He's like, oh my god, this this guy who I thought was you know like a, a vagrant in the street. That's yeah. that's Edgar Allan Poe. He asked. He was obviously in a terrible state and worried about his condition. Walker asked Poe if he had any acquaintances in Baltimore that might be able to help him out. Poe gave Walker the name of Joseph E. Snodgrass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that's not making not this up. Joseph E. Snodgrass, who was a, a magazine editor with some medical training. Snodgrass. That's, that's t- the name that's died out, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know a single Snodgrass. Snodgrass, it seems like a Roald Dahl name. Yes. Totally. Yeah, it definitely does. Also, in this in this era, if you found someone that needed ur- urgent medical attention, how would you uh, how would you find their relatives, do you reckon? Uh, back then, you'd probably go to a phone book, <laughs> call the operator, give me the Snodgrasses. Oh, that's my name. Sorry, <laughs> give me... The pose. What he had to do? He had to write a letter. Okay. <laughs> like a guy you know needs murder, mur- <laughs> medical attention. <laughs> and then that took a week to get there. So the le- I would have taken him to a hospital and then figured out what to do from there. So the letter, the letter has actually survived. It says, "Dear sir, there is a gentleman, rather the worse for wear, at Ryan's Fourth Ward Poles, who goes under the cognomen of Edgar Allan Poe, and who appears in great distress." And he says he is an acquaintance of yours, and I assure you, he is in need of medical, uh, immediate assistance. Yours in haste, Joss W. Walker. Joseph. Dated three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't have a stamp. <laughs> it's been sitting in my outbox for weeks. <laughs> Apologies for the delay, but with haste, Even Joss. like today, even an email would... You know, you don't. Mail is not the way to go. No, an instant email's too slow. Yeah. So what had happened? Poe had left Richmond, Virginia, but never made it to Philadelphia for his editing job or to New York to pick up his aunt. He had arrived in a fourth city, Baltimore, 150 miles away from where he started. But in theory, it could be a stop off on the way to Philly or New York. Okay, sure. Snodgrass, the man he had asked for. <laughs> Asked for help, arrived and, des- and described Poe's appearance as repulsive, with unkempt hair, a haggard... Repulsive. Un- <laughs> it's only been a week. <laughs> I know. Repulsive <laughs> is such a brutal way to describe <laughs> anyone. I know. Oh, ew. <laughs> I want to spew. Oh, you made me want to spew up. 
uh, described him as having an unwashed face and lusterless and vacant eyes. His clothing, Snodgrass said, which included a dirty shirt but no vest and unpolished shoes. Oh, I know. excuse no vest. me. No vest. <laughs> Repulsive. <laughs> uh, his shoes were worn and did not fit well. The clothes weren't his own. He usually went everywhere in a black wool suit. He had a signature look. Uh, okay. So people were like, where the hell did he get this, this weird outfit from? That's funny because I just picture everyone wearing dirty clothes back then. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Everyone's a chimney sweep or a rat catcher. <laughs> yeah, two jobs. Poe was taken to a hospital where he was placed under the care of Dr. John Joseph Moran. Poe spent the next four days wavering between fits of delirium, gripped by visual hallucinations. Oh, man. He couldn't explain where he'd been. Well, or- as opposed to smell hallucinations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can smell chicken. No, you can't. There's no chicken here. I can taste chicken. Yes, you're eating chicken. You're eating chicken. Very good. I'm having a taste hallucination. (laughs) This chicken tastes like fish. (laughs) He's crazy. (laughs) He couldn't explain where he'd been or what had happened to him. But he's also a liar. That's true. Mm. Mm. So maybe he's lying what happened to him. (laughs) Is that what you you meant? Yeah. Yeah. The night before his death, according to his attending physician, Dr. Moran, Poe repeatedly called out for Reynolds, a figure who to this day remains a mystery. Reynolds! Oh, shit. Reynolds. I want Reynolds, Reynolds. And they were like, I don't know. There's been theories over the years, but no one really knows what he was saying or oh why he was God. saying it. This huh. is fascinating. He died on October 7th, 1849 at the age of 40. But what was the actual cause of death? Forty. That that was was that a respectable sort of respect. Um, yeah, I mean, or his that, parents had died much younger. His brother had died much younger. Forty is like the modern eighty. Yeah, so pretty mm. good. But that's my guess. A good innings. I don't know that for sure. So how did he die? Well, there's quite a few theories. Ooh. One of the most common theories is that uh, consuming too much alcohol caused his death. J. E. Snodgrass. <laughs> Uh, the friend slash semi-doctor who saw Poe in the tavern believed that Poe had been drinking heavily and that he ultimately succumbed to the tremors and delirium that can accompany alcohol withdrawal. But this is according to Britannica. A number of second-hand accounts seem to support Nodgrass, Snodgrass, saying that Poe had encountered acquaintances in Baltimore and gone on a drinking bender. This would not have been entirely out of character as Poe had engaged in bouts of heavy drinking throughout his life. He was a known drinker. Yeah. But in the months before his death, he had joined the temperance movement, which is a social movement against the consumption of alcoholic beverages. Okay. So he seemed to have like turned a new leaf, possibly, and decided to give up alcohol. Right. John Moran, the attending physician at the hospital, was also convinced that Poe was not drunk and hadn't been drinking in the days leading up to his death. The duration of his final illness and the fact that he seemed to recover slightly in the hospital before worsening and dying also seemed inconsistent with alcohol withdrawal. Because mm-hmm. like, you're not going to get absolutely blackout drunk, like off your chops, drunk as you've ever been, and then die for like four days later, right? You would, that's yeah, what he's I, saying. I, yeah, yeah, right. I'm not sure. I am not a doctor. But I, did, I didn't even know that you can die of alcohol withdrawals. Yeah. No, well, yeah, I didn't yeah. even realize what that... I don't think I've heard of that before. But if it wasn't drinking, what was it? One of the other theories is that he was beaten and di- died as a result of his injuries. Eugene Didier, 
who was a recognised authority on Poe, wrote in his 1872 article, The Grave of Poe, that while in Baltimore, Poe ran into some friends from West Point, the old military academy, who prevailed upon him to join them for drinks. So maybe they talked him into having a few drinks. Right. Poe, unable to handle his liquor, became madly drunk after a single glass of champagne, after which, after which he left his friends to wander the streets. In his drunken state, he was, quote, robbed and beaten by ruffians and left insensible in the street all night. Ah, and then someone put other people's clothes on him. Oh, yeah, that's... Why is he wearing different clothes? Did he have bruises or, like, anything that... No, there was no mention of him looking like he'd been bashed. So that doesn't... But he did look repulsive. Yes, that's true. And he had an unwashed face. They just roughed up his hair. Yeah, but they did it so rough that it, like, hurt his brain. Yeah. Yeah. Ow! Yeah. (laughs) But if you don't like the theory of drinking too much and don't like the theory of him being beaten up, then how about combining both of the theories? Oh, hello. With uh, one of the most popular uh, theories is that he was a victim of cooping, which I'd never heard of. Cooping, which was practiced by gangs in the 19th century, was when an unsuspecting victim would be kidnapped, drugged, disguised, and forced to vote for a specific candidate multiple times under multiple disguised identities. So it's just voter fraud. Which Why was do you have to kidnap someone to that? Just pay them. Yeah, yeah. Or, or people would do that for money. Yeah, or do it yourself. Yeah, do it yourself. Why do you have to kidnap and drug someone? Yeah, that's appa- weird. Apparently, yeah. voter fraud was extremely common in Baltimore around the mid eighteen hundreds. And let's not forget that the pub that he was found at, looking dishevelled, was a voting station and a known cooping site where people did this dodgy thing. Right. Again, just do it yourself, <laughs> or say I'll flick you ten bucks. Yeah, it does seem like a lot of effort. I guess that maybe they all do it themselves as well as get extra people to do it. Get so extras, yeah. And that, then that would also possibly explain the shabby clothes because they, they dress the people up in different disguises yeah, don't, and outfits. Don't you, you just go to them, hey, do you want to earn some money? Yeah. But maybe they didn't have the money. But then you've got to buy drugs. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we'll pay you in whatever these drugs Yeah, they cost. either drug you or they got them wildly drunk. Wow. They give you 30 shots of whiskey or something, so you're just absolutely and out And then of it. you're allowed to vote when you're off your chops. Yeah, yeah we're well, allowed to vote at the pub. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll vote for the guy over there. Sorry, what? So who has um, ever? This show, give me a fire to <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I think. <laughs> I'd like to vote for Jack Daniels, please. <laughs> <laughs> An argument against this cooping theory, which is probably one of the more common theories, theories about what happened to him, is that despite his poverty, he was a well-known figure around that part of America, right. around the coast. And if you've seen photos, he was a very distinctive-looking man. As yeah. If you look at the, the cover image, I'm sure I'll have a photo of him f- uh, on our Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. People say, if you're going to kidnap someone and get them to vote multiple, multiple times under different aliases, why would you use a very famous yeah. and also a very distinctive-looking man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even the guy at, just going for a drink at the pub said, who's that? In the, oh, there's a guy in the gutter. Oh, my God, that's Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, he knew right. him straight away. So he's not going to rock up and be like, hello, I'm uh, I'm, uh, I'm Matt Stewart here to vote. I'm Bedgar Gallon Joe. <laughs> Bedgar Gallon. <laughs> right this way, Mr. Go. <laughs> Joe. <laughs> Mr. Joe, a pleasure. Uh, possibly he died of a brain tumour. His body was moved 20 years after he died when his remains were exhumed. Like um, little mm. remained of the body, but one worker did remark on a strange feature of Poe's skull. There was a mass rolling around inside it. They could Ew. hear it. 
Ew. What? At the time, this was thought to be the remains of his brain, but we now know that the brain is one of the first things to rot in a corpse and would not be there 20 years later, but brain tumours can calcify and last longer. That's disgusting. So, like, when you're shaking a paint can and there's that thing rolling around. Yes. No, Dave, I get it. That was his... So, paint cans can get tumours. Yeah, that's a brain tumour. Huh. Don't use the the can if it's got that rolling around. Okay. I mean, that's fascinating, but also it is disgusting. I know, I'm sorry. There have been endless number of theories over the decades. Various people have speculated he has succumbed to diabetes, heart disease, epilepsy, flu, and tuberculosis like everyone else in his life. Mm. Some say that he may have even died from rabies. He got more and more delirious over the days, something seen in sufferers of late-stage rabies. Furthermore, Poe's hospital records indicated that Poe had difficulty drinking water. This may have been a a manifestation of one of rabies' characteristic symptoms, which is a fear of water. A fear of water? Yeah. Didn't know about that. Yeah, rabies is scared of water. Yeah. Wow. That's such a weird symptom. I know, if you're really rabid, yeah. Foaming at the mouth, scared of water. Do you know there's no cure for rabies? Really? If you get get past a certain stage, you are almost certain to die of it. It's very... Lethal, huh. so you do not want to muck around and get it. Do you know there's no cure for love as well? Really? That's yeah, if you get too deep in. Right, but in your you like will die. Life stages, you will be afraid of water <laughs> yeah. and foaming at the mouth. Yeah. It's all possible. In summary, guys, I'm afraid to say that the creator of the first ever de- detective story left us with a great mystery. Whoa. Possibly the greatest mystery of all. Yeah, um, that, geez, that feels like it's ripe for a, a dramatic retelling. Has that been turned into a, a film? I'm not sure. That'd be awesome. I'm I, sure it would have. And, and just filling in some blanks and stuff with creativity. I'd love that. Kind of like the... Um, there's a... Probably wasn't that great, but I like the idea of it. This uh, There was an Agatha Christie movie about where she went in her missing... Oh, week, yeah. Which you, you did a report on what actually happened, but someone made the a film out of... Speculated. And the speculation in this film was that she went to this house to solve a murder mystery um, like one of her characters would. Uh-huh. That's kind of a oh, right. fun oh, that's cool. That's fun. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure if they've uh, done a biography, but um, I'll just finish with what happened after he died because one of the reasons Poe was seen as such a mysterious and aloof character... Even today, known for his drunkenness and madness, it's because after he died, his old rival, a nemesis, Rufus Griswold, published a series of character assassinations on Poe. He's remember, dead. Poe had absolutely torn apart uh, Rufus's writing in his magazine. Oh, yeah, okay. The, this guy <laughs> was still. he was waiting to yeah. rip him apart. But also, it doesn't sound like he'd be a... He's not a hard target. There's so many things you could write about him. Like, hey, guys, did you know he's like a pedophile? Yeah. And uh, what else did he do? That's the main one coming to mind. Yeah. yeah. I mean, need I go on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't feel like... Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to give much more, do I? <laughs> Are we not cancelling him already? Guys? Wow. An obituary published under the assumed name of Ludwig, which was actually written by Griswold, claimed Poe was well known for walking the streets in delirium, muttering to himself, and that he was excessively arrogant, assumed all men were villains, and was quick to anger. Who's writing that and who's publishing that obituary? Who's publishing that and and thinking they're the things? Surely the one you're mentioning there is the pedophilia. Yeah. Not mentioned. He uh, wanders streets sometimes. Uh, he also married a child. 
This guy, Griswold, claiming to be Poe's chosen literary executor, <coughs> so working on Poe's behalf, began a campaign to harm Poe's reputation, only ending eight years later when Griswold himself died. He made it like his life's work to ruin Poe's reputation. Jesus. In 1850, he presented a collection of Poe's work that included a biographical titled Memoir of the Author, in which Poe was depicted as a depraved, drunk, drug-addled man, much of which may have been completely fabricated by Griswold. Being the only full biography available, the account became accepted and was widely reprinted. Wow. So that, that's how everyone thought of So his fame grew after his after his death because of his people discovered his writing and became influential but then people when they wanted to find out more about him the only thing they could find was this guy being like yeah he's a he's a madman he was drunk he was on drugs all the time wow uh, this combined with the fact that he was a well-known exaggerator and even liar made it hard to pin down the truth on poe but did poe have the last laugh again from poemuseum.org very pro poe this website pro poe i'm very pro poe here griswold's attacks were meant to cause the public to dismiss poe and his works but the biography had exactly the opposite effect and instead drove the sales of Poe's books higher than they'd ever been during the author's lifetime. Griswold's distorted image of Poe created the Poe legend that lives to this day, while Griswold is only remembered, if at all, as Poe's first biographer. Slammed him. <laughs> Sucked in. Suck it, Griswold. Wow. It's, yeah, it's funny. It's like a, it's a last laugh thing, sort of, but he is dead. It would be fully yeah. unaware of it. Died. <laughs> Sounds horrifically. Yeah. <laughs> I got the last laugh. Well, I mean, he didn't, but people who like him have <laughs> when they want to feel good about things. That's yeah. right. <clears throat> I'm all for Griswold. Good on him. He got the last laugh when the family in um, National Lampoon's Vacation was named after him. Yeah. So. And that's a, the highest honour. <laughs> the yeah. ultimate tribute. Well, we, we all had a last laugh along with Chevy and the gang. Yeah. Chevy. <laughs> <laughs> I've never thought about it. That's his name. Chevy. Chevy. What the hell is that? <laughs> it's great. It's real good. Chevy. Um, guys, I just want to uh, finish off with a fun fact that no one has uh, even mentioned on this show so far. So this will <laughs> blow your minds. Okay. Get ready. Sorry. Get the NFL team, this literally did blow my mind. The NFL team, the Baltimore Ravens, are named after Edgar Allan Poe's... I've written Edgar Allan Pye. <laughs> of course, <laughs> That's yeah. a bit of fun. Pie on the mind. <laughs> Edgar Allan Pye's famous short story, The Raven. The, uh, the name was chosen in a fan contest that drew over 33,000 votes. Wow. It is a, it's a great team name, I think. Because you can... There's it's like a pretty shallow pool of what people seem to choose from in com- big competitions around the world. But Ra- I don't know of any other Ravens team. Yeah, Ravens, great. I'd call my team the Wombats. No one else is called the Wombats. Yeah, I like it. Especially if they were a rugby team. It's a real <laughs> rugby kind of animal. Nuggety, yeah. runs yeah. fast, straight lines. Wombats would be good. What about the jellyfish? Oh, that's pretty good. Can't grab us. I like the weird sort of minor league baseball team ones. I've mentioned before, like the Fresno Tacos. That's pretty great. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's truly incredible. Um, so the, the Raven was, Ravens were chosen because uh, Poe spent early, early, his early career in Baltimore and he's actually buried in Baltimore. Ah. Uh, the Raven the, in the story is famous for only saying one phrase over and over again, which is nevermore. It's just quoth the Raven, nevermore. And the Baltimore Ravens won the Super Bowl in 2001 with a great defense. 
Quoth the Ravens, Chris Berman said on SPN, never score. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff, Chris. <laughs> that is very that good. That is good. All right. That he is had that locked and loaded. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. Like, he yes. must be their version of Dennis Committee. <laughs> Chris's time to shine. <laughs> Misty Opp- Opp- You know, that? what's that one? He went in optimistically, came out misty optically. <laughs> misty op- optically. Yeah, yeah. that's it. <laughs> good. <laughs> he had no idea what happened. We went in there optimistically. He came out misty optically. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. How does your brain work that fast? <laughs> the secret is I write them down. <laughs> uh, that that's the the story of Edgar Allan Poe. I'm afraid it is a mystery. Amazing. That's great. That had a bit of everything, didn't it? Really. Pedophilia. Yeah. <laughs> Cousin marrying. Yeah. Pedophilia. I mean, we maybe we're focusing on the wrong things here. <laughs> you wrote some famous books as well. So I wonder if uh, how close Baltimore was to being called the Baltimore Telltale Hearts or something. Oh, yeah. Hearts is pretty good as well. My Melbourne soccer team used to be called the Melbourne Heart until they were bought by a big conglomerate and changed to the Melbourne City. Oh, Melbourne Heart's nice. Yeah, I preferred them when they were Melbourne Heart, to be honest. Uh, is that to be in cahoots with the Manchester City team? Yeah, uh, Manchester City, New York City. They're a big, big group. Big city. Yeah. Bunch of city gangs. They should have been the Manchester Heart. Oh, that's Yeah, good. the that's New York Heart. Yeah, that would have been, that been fun better. if this tiny Melbourne team <laughs> changed the names of all the others instead. Very, very good. Great report, Dave. Yeah, well done, Dave. Thanks, everybody. Thanks to everyone who suggested it. Well, now it brings us to everyone's favourite part of the show. No offence to your report, but... <laughs> oh, that's fine. We got the... Uh, I came in uh, mystiopically. Uh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck it, everyone. <laughs> Guys, I mean, that's why you should write it down and read it from he the card. He lobbed up like a cork in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he went to Meredith one year to... I've probably told you this before, but he commentated the Meredith gift on the last day of Meredith. Well, you've both been there. You know, that they, they have a, a nude race. And uh, he commentated it. And the prize is golden jocks. And um, when the winner was being presented with the jocks, he said, look at those golden jocks glistening in the sun. Makes you proud to be an Australian. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's beautiful. Did you start crying? It was a beautiful moment. Mm. Uh, So anyway, this brings us to everyone's favorite part of the show, the fact, quote or question section. Uh, And you can get involved in this if you go to patreon.com slash do go on pod and sign up on the Sydney Scheinberg Deluxe Memorial Rest in Peace edition level. That's right. And, um, well, another Patreon reward that we've just put out recently is our third bonus episode per month. Yes. We just put out over the weekend our first ever episode of the Patreon exclusive series, Phrasing the Bar. Mm. It was real fun. Yeah, it was a really fun time, actually, talking about uh, his first ever film. He had a small role in Dog Fight. But, uh, it's fair to say that... The opinion on the film was divided. And we didn't talk about Brennan Fraser heaps because he's not in it much. But for you, just wait for next month. Yeah, he's, oh, it's, it's phrase heavy from now on. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so that goes along with a couple other bonus episodes. Dave did a report on... What uh, Siegfried and Roy. Oh, that was one of our best... Bonus reports we've ever done, I reckon. Oh, thank you. It was a real yes. fun It was episode. great. But the uh, yeah, famous magicians who worked with lions and tigers before it all went horribly wrong. Mm. And we also did a, a Desert Island Dave episode, which is where we all picked out five albums we'd take with us when we live on a desert island for fun. Inevitably. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. So they were all great and you can get involved in them. I think it's on the DB Cooper level. But you can see it's all explained there when you go to patreon.com slash do go on pod. Heaps of different uh, rewards. Including, and I say we leave up the older bonus episodes too. So right now you can get about 70 bonus episodes. Yeah, it's a lot. <clears throat> it's a lot. Um, but the... This fact for quote or question section has a jingle. And it goes a little something like this. Fact, quote or question. Ding. You always remember the ding. And this week, I thought we, last week we got through four. I thought we could do it again today because there's another bunch of facts and one question. So let's get into them. This first one uh, comes from Soph Waldron and you get to give yourself a title as well. And Soph has given herself the title, Live Show Photographer, mm-hmm. brackets, currently on government-implemented hibernation. Sorry about that, Soph. Close bracket. And she's offered up a fact this week. Thank you very much, Soph. Soph has been to a lot of our live shows and, and takes photos a lot. I think that she might That's be the new job. current record holder of the... <clears throat> pardon me. I think for a while it was Phil Kitt had been to the most live oh, shows. Oh, yeah. Phil Kitt. But uh, Soph has been to many, many live ones, which yep. we totally appreciate so much. And in many different cities and even countries. Honestly, right. not Phil's value, but... Um, <laughs> Lift your game, Phil. No, we love you. So, so, so Waldron's given us the fact of... Well, I, and I don't read these, so I read them out. So, let's see what it says. First of all, thanks for always bringing us the laughs each week, each and every week. It's been even more necessary of late, and I'm very grateful for the pod. Oh, thank you very much, So. Thanks, Soph. My fact is that the collection... Uh, the collect- noun for weasels is a boogle <laughs> which is obviously incredible but also just real a really fun word to say boogle how do you spell boogle b-o-o-g-l-e i love it boogle. a boogle of weasels that's so cute oh, i love it great fact i Thank love you very collective much, nouns so. they're always funny what's what would it be for ravens dave a baltimore oh of course <laughs> What a silly question. I was so quick, Dave. I was going to say a bushel. (laughs) (laughs) Probably more accurate, to be honest. A bushel of ravens. Uh, The next fact comes from Chris Trio, who's given himself the title of Head of Monkey Affairs. Fantastic, Chris. An important job. Good to have you on board. And Chris's fact is, uh, the noises made by the raptors in Jurassic Park were taken from recordings of turtles mating. I literally read that this morning. Really? I, I think I'd heard it before and then I was reading an, a, a listicle this morning of like movie facts or whatever and that was one of them. And I remember looking at it and it was a picture of Sam Neill surrounded by raptors and I was like, I love Sam Neill. And then I thought, I'm going to watch Jurassic Park. That's crazy. Wow. That is wild. I did not know that fact at all. Yeah. You know I did a scene with Sam Neill one time? You did not. What? When? Well, I saw I was in, I was in a scene that he was in. I didn't do it with him, and I didn't have a line. In what? Uh, get cracking. No shit. Yeah. Fuck! I love Sam Neill. He's, he was so funny. He did like, I think he did twelve takes, and he goes, and that there was, you know, he had a funny line they'd written for him, and he goes, um, "Do you want me to try a few others?" And they're like, "Yeah, sure, if you want to go for it." And every take, he did a different line. Wow. And, and we were all, you know, stifling laughs. I was off screen by the time we did the uh, the line, so we're all just like, I'm laughing into my elbow, sort of thing. He was so funny, That's just seemed best. like a real cool guy. Anyway, um, back to Chris's fact. So he says the sound designer also experimented with horses breathing and geese hissing, but he decided to go with the turtle banging. <laughs> <laughs> I found this out, and now that movie will never be the same. 
Hope you're all keeping well and staying healthy. Can't wait for the American tour, whenever that may be. Hopefully 2021. But who knows? really, who knows? Um, uh, thank you so much. Great fact. I also, I learned a fact. I've been watching uh, The X-Files. Great show. I'm sort of, I'm, I'm moving through se- season two and I think you're right, Dave. I think it did up its game. But there's this new character who's like the... He's like the enforcer or something. He goes around killing people with this needle thing. Oh, yes. The alien bounty hunter. The alien bounty hunter, yeah. And he, when he pushes the needle up, it goes... And apparently, they tried so many different things to get that noise. Someone, they go, we want the noise to be sort of like... And they tried all these different things to get the noise and they couldn't. So, they ended up using a person saying... No. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, apparently that's... That's the... That's <laughs> I haven't had that corroborated in any way, but that's no. what I was told and I, I choose to believe. Me too. The truth is out Well, there. I want to believe. I want to believe. <laughs> like the poster in Mulder's office. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> I'm, I'm becoming a nerd like that. Yay! <laughs> uh, the next one, the next fact comes from good friend of the show, like all these people are, Gaddy J from the UK. Oh, Gary! And his title is Organiser for the Appreciation of Don... Bradman <laughs> Meal. Never bracket, heard of him. Table for one, please. <laughs> Close bracket. <laughs> <laughs> table for one. <laughs> so for those that don't know, Gary J has been in our Patreon Facebook group, which is another thing you can be part of if you support the show. And uh, every week for, a, what, about 19 weeks now, he's on a campaign to get us to do a report on Don Bradman, the greatest ever Australian cricketer, possibly greatest cricketer ever. And... Um, Matt keeps putting it up for the vote and it never wins. It so comes sorry. dead last every time by <laughs> quite a margin. Sorry, and Gary. That's, and, and it's inflated. His vote is inflated by people who've been taken in by his, yeah. his campaign. There are definitely people going, we got to vote for this for Gary. And even with that bump, it still comes so far <laughs> last. Like, I don't think it's ever been in percentage terms in double figures. <laughs> Gary... But I'm I'm starting to think I might do him as a as a Patreon bonus episode report. Love it, maybe. But I'll see how the campaign goes. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so Gary J's fact is, Andy Warhol was the first person to photocopy his bum in 1969. What? Whoa! The first person to do it. That is a fun fact. How can you verify that? I can't. But, I mean, apart from the fact that Gary's written it to us. I believe. If Gary writes, then I want to believe. believe. (laughs) It feels like something Andy Warhol would have done. Yeah. For Uh, sure. uh, What a man. Used to hang out with Leonard Cohen. That's crazy. Sort of. in that kind of crossing paths there in the 60s or whenever. Uh, Thank you so much for that great fun fact. And finally, uh, the last fact quote or question today is a question, and it comes from Nick Moyer, who's given himself the title of The Drunk. Okay. It's <laughs> okay. good to have an official drunk of the show. And his question is, I love a question that ends with a full stop. His question is, <laughs> what is your favourite unknown beer, full stop? I don't know how to answer that. Unknown beer. Is that a reference to something? What does that mean? Favourite unknown beer. Is is un, is unknown capitalised or anything? Like that's no. a brewer? So it's just like a less popular one, maybe. Yeah, maybe like what's your what's your big secret on beer? Which Matt, you would definitely have more of a scoop than uh, than I, and probably just who doesn't really like beer. But <laughs> I, I, d- I don't know how to answer this. You I can interpret like, it any way you like. Well, then. let's. Uh, well, I uh, went around to my old man's last weekend, and we tried out a bunch of fun beers. We each brought four, 
and um, it was it was really based around trying out this uh, limited edition brew from Deeds Brewery in Melbourne, uh, peanut butter stout, and Ooh. that it was it lived up to expectations. It was it was really really nice. I don't know. If, does that count? I mean, it's a pretty sm- smallish yeah, Melbourne reckon. brewery. Yeah, I, reckon. I don't know. When I live in the city, but yeah. I've been drinking a few of theirs. Like they've done all these um, limited edition, like double IPAs, and they've all been brilliant. I'm just they're just on a hot streak. Great. So um, I'd say them maybe peanut butter stout. There you go. Um, gosh, gosh, I'm a real, uh, you know, I don't know many obscure beers, I must say. I love fruity beers and I love the pineapple kaiju crush one. Love that beer. Oh, yeah. Kaiju crush are great. I've been, that's what I've been having a, a, uh, slowly drinking a slab of the kaiju crush tropical ale. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, they're so nice. So nice. So nice. Um, very fruity and, well, I don't even know, where are they from, kaiju? They're from Dandenong. How how good oh. is the can? I love the yeah. can. It looks so tropical and beachy. And it's they're from, from Dandenong. This this great suburb on the outer east southeast of Melbourne or Dandenong. Yeah, great. Well, I mean, if uh, which is do we know landlocked, where, right? Do we know where he's from? Uh no. Nick well, that's Moore. okay because if you are from anywhere apart from Australia, then this would be a, probably an obscure underground beer. Yeah, so exactly. Which is cool. Huh. Uh, Jess, how about you? There's a certain goza. I know, but I feel like anytime there's a beer question, that's all I because that's the only one I like. Go for it; it's great. Do but I always, it's is, is that it a Seven Bells, Matt? I also always forget what it's yeah, called. Yeah, Seven Bells seven from bells. <laughs> Green not, Beacon. Yeah, that's not a, a huge one either. Mass marketed one. Fucking delicious. But it's so nice. It is so nice. I've never seen it anywhere else. As in, like, can you get it outside of? I. Uh, I got some from my local bottle shop, but they do have a pretty wild range there. Yeah, cool. I've got. I've been going in during lockdown and buying like sixteen different beers every time. <laughs> I've, I've had like, I reckon I've I've drunk maybe, maybe sixty different beers in lockdown. Great. Oh, that, but I I, sh- I normally share them. When I post them on social yeah, it's media, like a little it looks like I'm smashing these beers. But there's normally someone taking the photo who's had <laughs> half of these beers. So I'm not I'm not quite Edgar Allan Poe no. wearing someone else's clothes in the street not, sort of level. Not yet. Woo! Though I, uh, you know, I can only dream. I oh, know. One well, day. I hope that Nick can take some of those, you know, uh, you know suggestions and... Mm. and we. We normally also thank a few other of our patrons, don't we? And Jess, normally you have a, a bit of a game. Yeah, I'm going to name, we're going to name their poem. Oh, great. <gasps> their most po- famous. poem's named, I just realised his name is inside poem. <gasps> he did it. Coincidence? Wow. That, I think not. That the bastard, he did How it. Did How he did do he that? do it? The greatest <laughs> trick the devil ever played. Yeah, that's good marketing, isn't it? Get his name on every poem. Nick Moyes from Ohio, the greatest state. Well okay, done. well, there's three Aussie beers then we've mentioned. Yeah, I guess that they would be unknown to you. If yeah. you get your hands on them over there, definitely give them a whirl. A whirl. Nice one. All right, let's thank some people. Awesome. All right. Do you want me I'm to kick it off? I'm looking forward to hearing... Yeah, you want to kick it off? Yes. Um, I would love to thank from Goose Creek. Oh, I love it. In SC, South Carolina. Yeah. I'm so impressed I got that. I would love to thank... Angel Daniel Rodriguez Jr. Holy moly. <laughs> um, what to love there. Pardon me. <laughs> That's amazing. Angel Daniel Rodriguez Jr. From Goose Creek. 
Love that. Fantastic. All right. Uh, poem. Um, are we doing it based on names or are we just going No, with just anything. All right. I'm going to say the winter warmed weather. Ooh. Oh. Wow. I like that. Yeah. But, I mean, the poem will explain. Yeah. In a in a beautiful way. He works in paradox a lot. Is that anything? Paradox, yes. I love his work with paradox. He works with paradox. Oh my goodness, his work with paradox is amazing. On the your angel. So thank you. Angel Daniel weather. Rodriguez Junior. And I would also love to thank from Dixon in the uh, Australian Capital Territory. I'm glad you got that one. If you don't get the Australian <laughs> states, it's like oh, okay. I do know that one. <laughs> I would love to thank Eric. Chin? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. T-J, H-I-N. Yeah. Chin. 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 Great. Love it, Eric. Great name. Uh, Dave, what's his poem? Um, Strings on the Moor. Ooh. That feels real. Yeah, I like that. (laughs) Just looked at this uh, guitar in this room and I thought, strings, something, something. Yep. I'm a pretty cool musical person. <laughs> There's a guitar in my living room. I play classical gas. Oh, Eric. I've seen a YouTube video of that scene on The Simpsons where it just goes on forever. It's like just for an flying. hour. <laughs> and it's just Lenny sort of that popping is his funny. head. <laughs> um, Strings on the moor. Love it. Love love it. Great work, Eric. Uh, could I thank a couple? Would that be possible? Please. Please. I'd love to thank from Placerville in California, United States, William and Brianna Davis. William. Or, and I love I love when people go for a twofer. It's a couple account or his name is William, surname, and Brianna Davis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say probably a, a couple or siblings. Oh, of course. Probably a couple. Or, hey, if you're in like Edgar Allan Poe, why not both? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And um, obviously, William and Brianna collaborated on a on a piece called "The Lily on the Pond." Oh, oh, beautiful imagery! That's almost definitely already the name of a poem. That's how poemy Just, that sounded. I looked at a peace lily over there. <laughs> ah, nice one. <laughs> well, you know what I did? I came up with mine just from my imagination. And that's why yours sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Try again. Yours didn't make any sense. Ours were very fucking cool. All the best poetry is based on things you can see in your house. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone knows that. Everyone knows that. Uh, Although, this will be our first episode that comes out in the winter time this year. It's Southern Hemisphere winter. Yeah. Winter starts in a couple of days. Yeah. It's felt like winter for a while. Oh, the weather's been awesome. No, it's it has beautiful been beautiful autumn weather. It's been cold but sunny. Yeah, yeah. cold and not very wet. Yeah, lovely, so that's good. Lovely autumn Melbourne weather. There's been some cracking days lately. Anyway, enough, enough bragging. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I would also love to thank, if I can, also from California, this time from West Sacramento, born and raised, <laughs> Betsy Nucitelli. Betsy Nucitelli. What about... What a great name. Again. Oh, geez, we're on Hang a on, Dave's got something. It's brewing. Oh, what about um, Even Dust Settles? Oh, <laughs> heavenly. I like it because it sounds deep. It's like, yeah, I mean, dust is famous for <laughs> yeah. settling. That's what right? dust does. Right? Yeah. Sounds deep. That's all you need. Yeah. You need it to be deep enough for them to carry the poetry to the counter, yep. pay their money, get out and realise <laughs> that I've duped them again. <laughs> <laughs> But I've got their cash. This is more faff. Yeah. No refunds. More faff. Hang on, I wanted poets, poetry about how the lieutenant's got a big, big bum. <laughs> not not going to happen. 
Thanks, Betsy. Thank you, Betsy. Betsy Nucitelli. Oh, right. I would like to thank, and I'm going to say this wrong because we say it wrong every, every time. People always they go, oh, there's a W sound in it or something. I'm like, where? And that is, I would like to thank from Akron, Ohio. Yeah, Akron. I think that's what they say. I, say, I would say Akron, and I think you said it. Like they tell us to say it. Akron. Akron. Maybe that's the W. Akron, Ohio. Tell me if I'm wrong. Rachel Leslie. Rachel okay, Leslie. Okay, famous for their tyres there. So I'm going to say. Oh, yeah. Rolling up the way. Oh, love that. And how do you spell you way? You make it sound like it's, it's like it's not quite right. You'd say rolling up the hill. Yeah. But that's just like a a, rolling down mm, the way. But, yeah. but rolling up the way. What's mm. going on here? I want to yeah. read this poem. But which I'm listening? Which way? Ah, uh, Dave, Kurt's read the end. poem. In brackets, Kurds end. <laughs> rolling up the bracket, Kurds end. Close bracket, oh, I love it. Way. Love a bracket. <laughs> or as they say in America, where Rachel is from. Uh, parentheses. Mm-hmm. We What's learned that bracket? the hard way on one of the live streams. Oh, yeah, no, we were. <laughs> yeah. We were absolutely smashed. <laughs> How dare we use the the vernacular of our country? No, they weren't having a go, but no, it of course was, did really kick off quite a conversation, apparently, in the comments. It's pretty funny with the live stream comments because it's like, are you watching the show? <laughs> <laughs> They're just having a great chat amongst themselves, which is the, so lovely. The fun thing about the live streams is you're all watching it together, yeah. which is something you don't get to do with a podcast totally. usually. Or even at a live show, you can't chat along. So in the live stream, you're able to <laughs> commentate with each other, which is kind of fun. Mm. We'll just have to do more someday. Yeah, we should. I'm trying to convince you guys. Let's have a meeting later. <laughs> where Working. I can bar- barrage you with reasons. Barrage. It's fun and I want to. Please. <laughs> Let me. That's my opening pitch. All right, I'm, I'm bringing it home. I would like to thank from the birthplace of Edgar Allan Poe. Whoa. Boston, Massachusetts. It's Aaron McLaughlin. Oof, that's a good name. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Aaron McLaughlin. Do we have one final poem? Jess is looking at something. She's looking for inspiration. I can see the mind zinging and zagging. I feel like Erin McLaughlin's quite an Irish name. Okay. so A lot of great famous Irish poets, of course. But I'm thinking The Songs of Dingle. Oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Songs of Dingle. Some so musical poetry? No. Oh, I love it. Even better. You <laughs> buy it's a poem it. about songs, Dave. Yeah, Dave. Have you ever been to school? Oh, my God. But I, I like that because you take that to the counter. You walk outside. You open it up, hoping for sheet music. <laughs> you realise that Jess has fucked you again. Yeah, it's all You'll, poems. You, you, you want to see a, a CD in the cover? <laughs> it's poems describing music. Damn it. And then it goes up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> loud, loud, loud bit. <laughs> Quiet finish. <laughs> Like, oh, tested me again. That sounds good, though. <laughs> Where's the MP3 download code? <laughs> <laughs> well, Aaron McLaughlin, you've done it again. You've done Thanks it so again. much. And thanks to everyone that supports the show on Patreon. And some people have been doing that for a long time now, which we appreciate and we'd like to commemorate by adding people in to what we've called the Triptych Club, Matt. That's right. Um, and. Jess, you normal, or yeah, you've explained that pretty well. Well, it's people that have been supporting the show at the shout out level nonstop for three years plus, which is absolutely amazing. And really- as you enter the Trip, Dip, Trip Ditch Lounge, there is a weekly special. Um, and this week uh, we have pints Ooh. and sausage sizzle. Oh. 
and voting. <gasps> yes, you get to vote. You can Love vote. it. Oh, um, wow. On whatever what? you want. Oh, but aren't we... I think uh, David Malofsky, didn't he put himself up as like for president or something of the triptych? Oh, yeah, ah. we should... We should no right. one else has put their hand up to go against Well, it looks like yet. it's a one-horse race, but we'll, we still have to vote. Still have to vote. Yeah, so... Because we're a democracy. Yes. So get voting. Uh, and there's four inductees this week into Ooh. the Triptych Club. Dave, who's playing them in? Well, we've actually got a live guest appearance from a former um, report topic, The Wiggles. Yeah. Original cast. Hot potatoes. Great. The hot potato. It did not go well themselves. when they re- yeah, reunited sadly. recently. But they're only playing songs from, the, what was their band, The Cockroaches? Yeah. They're oh. only playing the... They didn't play any Beatles, uh, Beatles, <laughs> Wiggle songs. All right. <laughs> Is that play right? Imagine. Because they weren't even all in the cockroaches. Well, still. Especially. So you said it didn't go well. People didn't like it. No, 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 no. They were doing Wiggle stuff live. Dave's saying in the Triptych Club they were only doing cockroaches oh, stuff. My goodness, I'm stupid. Oh, but it didn't go well because uh, Greg, was it Greg? Yeah. Had a heart attack on stage. Oh. They did a, uh, yeah. a, a tribute. For not a tribute, sorry, a fundraiser for a bushfire yeah. stuff, I believe. Which feels like a million years ago and it was not that long ago. Yeah, and um, he had a heart attack on stage and thankfully was revived and has now become a bit of an advocate for... Defibrillators. Yeah, for defibrillators and people knowing CPR because he's like, I had no idea before. And How have yeah. I missed all that? Yeah, yeah, there happened to be, I believe, a, a nurse was there and, and revived Yeah, that's him. right. I think so. Yeah, she jumped God. into action. Yep. That's lucky. Yeah. Jeez, old stinky Greg. But in the Triptych Club, they're absolutely fine. Yeah, they're fine. The and yeah, so it is original lineup. Original, yeah, original lineup. And we also have plenty of defibrillators and many fire extinguishers, many fire exits. We're incredibly safe. We're up to code for to sure. To a fault, actually. Yeah. We've got so many fire extinguishers, it is blocking the fire stairs. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll, we'll be fine. <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, so there's four inductees this week from... Uh, Los Angeles, La La Land, Tinseltown in California. Zach Gidding, Zach, welcome take into a the seat. club. Take a seat. What was the What was the food and drink again? It was a pint and a sausage. Is oh, fantastic! Pint, sausage, vote. Watch the Wiggles. What a great afternoon! Grab a snag. Day. Grab a pint. We have veggie options. Grab a pint of Seven Bells, Yum. which we got on tap. Oh wow! Yum. And from San Diego, also in California, Donald Donald Donna Bedell. Donna, Donald take a Badel, seat, Donald please. Badel. Chill out. From Greenville in South Carolina, it's Jason Feaster. Jason, there's no standing room. Everyone has to sit. <laughs> take a seat. Sit down. Mr. Feaster, make yourself at home. And from Carlsbad in NM. New, New Mexico? New Mexico. Oh, right. So I was trying to think of a country. Yeah, it must be New Mexico, right? Yeah, from New Mexico. So for um, uh, United States... Listeners huh. or supporters, it is from Carlsbad in New Mexico. It is Derek Brigham. Derek Brigham. Hey, Brigham in. There's no COVID in the Triptych Club. Nah. Give us a hug. Give us a hug and then sit down. Let's sit down. Everyone on your chair. sit down. Sit down. <laughs> Jess went to a lot of effort to get you a director's chair with your name on the back. Sit. I got so many chairs. <laughs> Everyone sit down. Please sit. Who wants to stand? Like, if you had the option... I'd always sit. Sit down. Sit over stand, lie over sit. Yep. <laughs> Agreed. Glad we sit finally agreed. Sit over stand, slouch over sit, lie over slouch. Yep. And thank you to all those fantastic people for supporting the show and everyone that does so at patreon.com slash 
Do go on pod. That's right. People should also listen to the other episodes we do of our other podcasts this week because they're all going to be on the same theme. Yeah, that's right. Check out the Edgar Allan Poe story, The Murders in the Room Morgue, that Matt and I uh, covered on Book Cheat, which just came out uh, the day before this. And yeah, I'll see if I can think of something to listen now <laughs> quickly. Um, uh, I was also thinking, this is a we've got quite a history of literature episodes what are some if people are new to it because of Edgar Allan Poe maybe they could go back and listen to the Arthur Conan Doyle we got Roald Dahl that's right we did the uh, disappearance of Agatha Christie mm-hmm. where she uh, disappeared and then uh, what else have we done it feels like reappeared. there's more the Shakespeare have we done a Shakespeare yeah episode? we've done Shakespeare yeah absolutely <laughs> have we done that yeah uh, we've done J.R.R. Tolkien even though no one remembers doing the report yeah that's I still right don't and, think that was and me. we also did J.R.R. Rowling who oh, J.K. Rowling yeah. J.K. Rowling who did Harry Potter mm-hmm. more great literature so yeah there's uh, plenty of stuff for the bookish if you're keen <laughs> um, but that pretty much brings us to the end of the episode now. yeah yes thanks everyone for for joining us there's uh, our website, dogoonpod.com, and then there's links to Patreon. Hey, I can suggest a topic and um, all our other stuff. Our social media is at dogoonpod. We've got a Gmail, dogoonpod at gmail.com. And, of course, please check out our web series, which we are very proud of and still are putting out weekly at the moment. Mm. Yeah, we've got another couple of months of episodes almost. So, um, and yeah, people do say they miss things sometimes. The best way to not miss announcements about live shows... If, if, say, you're listening to things behind time, uh, get on our social media. We post about everything important on there, and that's do go on pod across all of them. That's the best place to be. So, bloody get on board and check it out. Fantastic. All right, well, thanks for joining us. Until next week, we'll say thank you and goodbye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.